What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Chris Nambu. Thank you so much for making this podcast your first listen for NBA coverage. Remember, you're on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe or leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. You're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave that five-star review. You do that. We'll keep producing that content. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Los Angeles Clippers who are in the midst of an 8-10 and 10 run. We'll be doing a, a quick look at uh, some of the rookies, a little report on how they are improving as the season is going on. We'll also be taking a little look at the trade market as the December 15th deadline has passed. A lot of people are becoming available and it's time to have a look and see where they guys might end up. But before we get into it, Chris, how you doing, man? Dude, I'm good. We're in the Christmas spirit. December 15th is here. Hopefully we have a gift or some trades. And I'm excited to talk about first and foremost. I mean, I'll, I'll get you started on your fast break. I know that you're feeling good. I know you're good because Brunson had an insane game last night. Let, let's let's start off there. I'm, I'm happy to just see you. Like, you just look bright today. You look good. I know Brunson's doing you well there. Yeah, I mean, an unbelievable performance from Jalen Brunson. Like, the first player since the play-by-play to uh, record a 30-point half without missing a shot. Yeah. He went 9 of 9 from 3. 50 points career night. I think first player ever to have 30 or 50 points, five steals, five assists, five rebounds, and make nine threes or something ridiculous. The stat line. There's always like a first, some like you pick like 17 stats. You're like, he's the first person to do that. But in in its own right. Like that's not a level. Like, like that's that was just it was just insane. And he like he was keeping the Knicks were in danger of going getting blown out at one stage in that game but the the way that Jalen Brunson was playing he kept them in it and then ultimately they were able to take off and had a comfortable win in the end but yeah the performance of Jalen Brunson it was just in awe and it was it was great that Tibbs was leaving him in because there was a few moments and I was working last night and the real guy's like oh they're gonna leave him in are they gonna leave him they're gonna let him go for the 50 game and he kept leaving him in and, and thankfully eventually he got there which was a uh, which was really cool. Uh, uh, one thing I will say is though, the guy, the the Warriors, that dickhead from the Warriors that's on ESPN, wouldn't shut up about Jalen Brunson shooting more shots and, and wanting him to miss. And I was like, man, will you just shut up and let him play his game? <laughs> he was like, oh, he, need, he, he can't finish a game without missing. He, he would just be thinking about how come he didn't put up 15 and seeing what would have happened. I was like, man, shut up. Dude's having an unbelievable game. Stop talking. <laughs> ESPN broadcast, I it's so 50-50 for me. I, yeah. Not paying attention to it half the time. But on the other end of it, staying with the Suns, who were the recipient of this 50-point game, they continue to look bad defensively. Now they have Beal out for however long. Luckily, it's it's nothing too serious. Um, where do they go losing six of their last eight after going on a nice win streak? Um, how did they start to answer things defensively, man? It's it They had no pressure at the rim. Had no pressure on the perimeter. Jalen Brunson got pretty much anything he wanted, wherever he wanted. Yeah, I mean, like obviously, it's hard to account when Jalen Brunson was just in a zone. Like no one is so it's so rare to have that sort of efficiency. And the luck was with him as well. A couple of those trees that he hit, don't know how they went in, but uh, yeah, the defensive side of the ball is just a real worry. Yeah, I know you talk about how they haven't had Beal, Booker, and Durant together, but they've had other injuries too. But at the same time. Booker and Durant together should be more than enough for them to be able to win these games because, but unfortunately, the defense just isn't there at all. Their defense, they cannot rely on their defense to get the stops needed for the offense of Booker and uh, and Durant to be enough. 
And it's just tough. Like, you, you look at it and you're thinking, yeah, this team was obviously built for their offensive uh, qualities and they were really zoned in on being the best offensive team. But they're pretty much like, they, they feel like a negative on the defensive end. And that's just not going to yeah. float as, as they get closer. Obviously, plenty of time to figure it out. We still haven't got a full look at this team, all healthy. So, I mean, it's still early days, but at this moment, you're really worried about the defensive side of the ball for them. Yeah, and I think the it doesn't matter with the Stars. Like, we, we knew the Stars were going to be good, and we know that they will figure it out. I'm not worried about that. It's I, I thought by this time, with Frank Vogel there, we'd see a defensive system that could at least compete at times. There's been none of that. Or we'd see, you know, some semblance of you know an emergence of someone on the bench like someone coming out and making an impact whether that would have been you know i mean damian lee hasn't hasn't been healthy maybe that's going to be uh nice for them to get some more perimeter shooting that's been non-existent but i thought josh kogi maybe he'd continue his hot streak from last year um and seeing knowing what we can get from him defensively what you could get defensively from this year little like having them as playmakers but there's been no one making plays on defense and the stops have not come in crucial game time moments. And that's going to continue to be the story of the Suns. And it doesn't matter how good their big three are. The other guys need to be great as well. They need to elevate their game. And yeah, big concern for the Suns. Uh, six of the last eight losing. And it's only going to get worse if no one else steps up. They got a they got a losing record at home as well, which is re- really, uh, really worrying. Obviously, they were able to dispatch the, the Warriors the other night, thanks to Draymond Green trying to knock out Yusuf Nurkic and failing. But uh, outside of that, it's been it's been a rough it's been a rough show for them uh, on the on the home floor. We won't get too much into Draymond. Yeah, we're just, just we're just gonna drop that in. I was gonna drop that in quick. Yeah, I mean, um, what's the over under in games? Let, let's say that twenty games, ten games, fifteen. Games. I, I'm feeling somewhere in like the eight to ten, the eight to ten range. I feel eight like to that's, ten. I feel like that's somewhere we could see it happening. Like obviously, didn't he just get seven? It was five before, wasn't it? Was it five? It was five Five. for the choke. Okay, it's just the fact that there hasn't been a suspension. There, there, there's now it's he's going through these protocols to 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 deal with things on a personal level. So that's that's kind of where we're at with that. We'll see see how long that uh that takes. Maybe it'll only be. I'd say I feel like it has to be at least five games. I feel like he'll miss. I feel like it has to be doing something like that after the chokehold. He can't get a suspension less than what the chokehold was. Really, as much as he says he didn't mean to do that. I, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not gonna lie, Draymond. I don't really believe him when he uh, when he says that. But uh, oh yeah, I mean no, of course. Like nobody should believe that. That's just literally to get his fine less. He's not gonna say yeah. I, I sorry. I tried to punch him in the face. Like you can't you can't admit that. Like you just can't admit guilt. I get that part, but the what uh, the only question I have in my mind is uh, Steve Kerr talking about it, and he's being very frank about how Draymond's going through things, and he needs like to be helped because he's trying to outline that this is some new type of behavior for Draymond the past couple of years with with pool uh, with this, um, not mentioning you know him stomping on Sabonis. Or, you know, getting thrown out of game six, 2016. But just all, all, all these things, right? Do you buy that this is just like a, like it's worse right now? It's different. I, I feel like it's all part of the same thing. It's just, it's just what Draymond is, unfortunately. And I feel like it's just come to a, a stage where it's just been a lot of things happening and very close together. Maybe before they used to be a bit more spread out. 
And I just think the fact that the Warriors are struggling as well on top of that just makes it seem a lot worse. It's tough. Like Draymond's whole career, that's what he's been like. He's been that kind of liability. But when he is there, he's been such a key part of their success. And then, and and now the things are just happening and, and the team are finally not having success. And that's why it just feels like such mm. a bigger deal at, the, at this stage, I think. I think it's probably something we haven't thought about is like he's been a winning player pretty much the majority of his entire career in the NBA. Whenever he's on the floor, they're they're winning most of the time. So this stretch of of just kind of bad basketball from the Warriors, which is surprising. I, I mentioned to you earlier before the pod, I'm pretty sure I predicted them to be top four in the West. That was that was bad. That was a miss. Really big miss. <laughs> it's not too late. But that's probably I mean that that could definitely be contributing to it. But at the end of the day, we won't be seeing Draymond for a minute. And we will be seeing a lot of young guys in the Warriors, which could be you know, could be a nice change of pace for them to see what they have and better evaluate these guys. Um, but speaking tough, of young guys, speaking speaking of young guys, the Spurs finally ended their losing streak. They That's ended eighteen eighteen games in a row. They lost, but last night they they took care of the Lakers uh, very impressively, especially that that first quarter. They absolutely dominated them. Devin Vassell obviously going off for a career night. They just looked in the zone. They they really had that look about them where we were like, we don't want to lose anymore. I know the Lakers are missing some players. Obviously, it's huge not having AD and uh, and like Reddish and D'Lo in there. But like, they, they, let's not take anything away from the Spurs. They they looked as in the zone as they have pretty much all season in that, in that game last night. And they, they were really impressive. I think my main takeaway is how did they lose that many games and we like didn't talk about it? Like the the Pistons are we know him, like, the Pistons, Pistons <laughs> exactly. Like, dude, they they owe the Pistons a Christmas present or, or something. They they really owe them big time because everyone's talking about how bad the Pistons are. Everyone's talking about how bad the Wizards are. But the Spurs go that long without winning a game. Like I would check in and be like, oh yeah, they lost again. Okay, they lost. But Wemby had a good game. Okay, sure. And then you didn't realize that they just amassed that many losses over that span. But on the floor. I can't understand why they're not starting Trey Jones. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we'll see what we get from Malachi Branham. I don't know if this is a stealth tank, even though there's not really much to tank for, it seems. Uh, no one really popping right now in terms of the draft. Never know. But, yeah, just weird to me that the Spurs haven't made a change there. We'll see if they end up making a change halfway through the season. They pretty much never do that. So you doubt that that'll happen. Um Anything hot from you from the Spurs, like when you see them on the floor, besides Wemby? Wemby's obviously always going to pop, but other guys need to show up around him in a meaningful way. Yeah, I mean, like, look, look at what Fassell did last night. He, he showed why he got paid that contract. Can he do that to any sort of consistent level? I think before last night, he was really coming off a really bad spell of shooting the ball. Then last night, everything was just dropping for him. Is that something there that he can build on? He's obviously a key guy. He's the, like I, we talked about before when he signed the contract. He was the first piece that they committed to in the in the Wemby era to to have around Webanyama. So he's the next guy that you have to look to to really be delivering on a consistent basis. But yeah, the biggest thing, like you said, it feels weird why they wouldn't have their most natural point guard playing within the team at the moment. It's just a little bit strange, but obviously it's still early days. They're they're still trying to figure it out, so it's hard to question it too much. Um, how about your boy Embiid? Dominating. Yeah, schedule has been pretty favorable, I think, for, for Philadelphia. But <laughs> pretty three games in a row, he has had a 30-point 
double-double, and he has not had to set foot on the floor in, in the fourth quarter. That's uh, pretty nice going for the 76ers, pretty nice going for Joel Embiid. Set a record for uh, with nine straight 30-10 and 10 games. That's a, a 76ers record. And the scary thing is, like Maxi said last night, it just feels like he's getting better. And I, I felt yeah. like he was, a, 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 in my mind, I was kind of like, did he peak last year? But it feels like he's getting better, and, and I'm loving the how he's sharing the ball while also still being as dominant as ever as a scorer. Yeah, it obviously has to feel like this is such an insane. Uh, whoever made the schedule here, like, are they from Philly? Like, they faced Washington, Atlanta, Washington, Detroit twice. Will face Charlotte, and then Chicago. <laughs> like that. That's that's vacation. Like they they basically got winter vacation from December sixth all the way through the 16th. They just get 10 days of, of practice, essentially. So that's a huge win for Embiid, just like keeping, like if you can have a handful of games a year where he's resting a quarter and just keeping a little bit of mileage off of him, that's that's really, really important throughout the throughout the season. Um, Especially when you go to... back to back, they've got, they got, they got to pay the Hornets, and obviously the Hornets are the, are the Hornets, but like it's still it's still nice knowing that like you don't have to have that fear about playing Embiid because he's, he's, he's been getting rest over the last few games. Yeah, I, I think Mark Williams is still out. I I don't know how many points he's going to score against Nick Richards tonight, but we'll see if they can even maybe even rest him in the third quarter. I don't know at this point. Um, I think we're, we're about time. We got we got to check in with our Clippers. We do. One last thing I will mention is the Celtics really showed the how good that they they are last night, blowing out the Magic. Without about time, they're big. Yeah, about time they beat the Magic, but also blowing them out without uh, without Porzingis, without Al Horford. They had uh, Lamar Lamar Stevens starting at center, and they were still so 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 good, which is a testament to just how good this team can be. And obviously, Jalen Brown actually called it their biggest win of the season. I think they they need to kind of get over that hump of uh, of, of struggling against uh, against the Orlando Magic, but that was definitely a. Uh, a good sign, but yeah, let's go go to the Clippers. The Clippers are on an eight and two run over their last ten games. They've got six straight wins, playing as they are at the moment. I think this sort of level maybe Harden get a little better. This sort of level feels like kind of peak peak Clippers. Are they the biggest threat to the Denver Nuggets in the West? Y- yes and no. Yeah, yes, no, maybe. Um... Yes, because I don't think they're even getting started, just in terms of offense. Um, you know, we're having Paul George miss a game, and, you know, we've seen kind of in and out whether he's performing or not, and that's kind of been a good predictor of Clippers' success if Paul George is, is scoring 20 more points. And we've seen Harden be also in and out, but we've seen him be able to just be a facilitator at times, even though he's only averaging 16.5 points per game. We've seen how much he's affected, how much they pass, how much they're able to really get Zubats involved, really get Cutters involved, and the movement they're able to have there. Um, dude, I've, I've loved some plays between him and Russ, actually. When they run uh, play off of each other at times, um, when Russ is coming off the bench, it's like, dude, where was this in, in Houston? Mm-hmm. Like, Obviously, it's not consistent. It's not enough. But... All, all that to say, you know, there there are plenty of signs that things are continuing to get better. And one thing that I've been trying to keep an eye on is, you know, how committed is Harden to defense? Because Ty Lue had discussed that when he first arrived, that he's going to need to, you know, buy in 
because that's been that's been the Clippers, you know, forte. That's how they're going to be able to win a championship is not just through their scores, but really like their their team defense there. And he's been good. He's not like it's not poppy off the page. He's been as good as he was before. I'd say they can hide him a lot. You know, when they're playing the uh, the Warriors, they can hide him on Kaminga, and he's strong enough to hold his own against boards. Strong enough to hold himself up against you know some bigger longer wings who aren't too quick but i i will say you know seeing him get four blocks seeing him really be a better weak side defender seeing him buy in at that level um that is a pretty good predictor that they're on the right track like they're they're there's buy-in there and there's the discussion you know with the media about how often he's staying late at practice how long he's mentoring guys how long he's you know working with big so if I if I buy the noise, if I buy what I'm seeing on the court, and if I see the progress that they've made, and I'm looking at the record, albeit against some a couple questionable teams, I think that they they have a chance to really put everything together over the course of the season. They traded for Harden early enough for them to to figure it out. So if we're talking about this in May, I think that they have the best chance to face the Nuggets. But <laughs> I mean, dude, just. When you when you still watch the Nuggets and especially what they're getting out of their their young guys too in Denver, just exactly what we thought in the summer. Like we don't, we have no idea who Julian Schrauther is. We did not have time to go that deep into the draft, and of course they they find another good one. I mean they they are too deep. Jokic is still too good. Aaron Gordon still looks great. Michael Porter Jr. still looks good, and we're not even getting peak Murray yet. I, it would take it would take a peak Clippers team with all of them really figuring things out to get to challenge the Denver Nuggets. But I think that's just a testament to how good Denver's is and will continue to be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If it's just watching these Clippers at the moment, you just feel like this is like kind of like Kawhi Leonard's played every game so far this season. Touch wood that that continues. Insane. Yeah. It, it's great to see. And on, on the current run that he's on over the last four games, he's really starting to look like peak Kawhi Leonard again, like in terms of defensive uh Stopper and being elite on the offensive end, he's on a, on a current stretch where he's averaging 33, 6, and 4, shooting 64% from the field, over 56% from three. And he just looks like the, he looks he looks like the Kawhi. He looks like San Antonio uh, level, Toronto level Kawhi. And we almost felt like that that level of him was was almost dead after the, the struggles he's had with injury of late. But if he's able to stay healthy, he just changes everything for this team. And obviously we've seen on the defensive side, they're up to being the fifth best defense in the league at the moment. They are still getting massive production from Pale and Westbrook off the bench, which is great. Harden's only averaging 16 and a half points per game. That's fine. When Kawhi and Paul George are leading the way, as long as Harden's still scoring efficiently, he's shooting 42% from three. And he's dishing the ball. That's the main thing that they got him in for. They didn't bring him in to be this elite scorer for them. They already had two of them. That that was not the the reason that they went and got him. Yeah, they've 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 had a bit of benefit. the The big worry for me, I think, is the the road form. They're a bit like the Lakers. They 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 like it at home a lot more than they do on the road. So they're ten and three at a uh, at home, and they're four and seven on the road. And uh, the only real major road win they've had all year was against the Kings, but. In terms of what I'm seeing from Kawhi and what I'm seeing from this team as a whole, if they're healthy and this continues to to trend in this direction for the season, I think they could definitely challenge Denver Nuggets. 
especially if Harden can stay good for at least a year. I mean, everything's always great when Harden first gets to a team, but over time it always seems to deteriorate. So keep an eye on that. But yeah, looking at them at the moment, in terms of the depth and in terms of the quality that they have in their team, I don't see why they they shouldn't be getting mentioned as like a top competitor for for the Denver team. Because obviously we don't know for sure what we got with Minnesota or OKC or those sort of teams. Yeah, I, I think I I I see the potential and I'm really curious about it in terms of what, what that'll look like in the playoffs. Um I just can't I can't picture that defense holding up in a, against the Nuggets. Yeah. I I I can't you know, Kawhi is a great one on one defender and he's going to shut down whoever he's on. And I I'd say the same in you know, own stretches for, for Paul George. Like they, they will be able to to have a great impact. You know, Norman Powell has shown to be a playmaker. Even even Russ at times, you know, he's gambling too much of a playmaker. But if you have Harden on the floor, that's what I'm keeping an eye on. That's why I'm saying good. I'm not super, like, there hasn't been, like, this massive change in Harden where you're watching him on the floor. He's like, oh, he's, like, committed to the, like, he's doing enough. And, you know, and I'm, like, you got to be happy with where he's at. But to beat the Nuggets, like, the amount of, off-ball actions that they're running, the amount of screen navigation that you have to get through. Like, if Harden is going to be a major contributor to them, like, he needs to show that, you know, you can do more than just hiding him on the worst offensive player and having him play a little health defense and switching on to some some bigs from here and there. Like, that's, that is not going to work against the Nuggets. And that that is not just a small, like, aspect of that, sort of matchup if we're just thinking big picture of like Clippers and Nuggets like who, who at their peak powers would you know match up with each other I think Harden will have to show more on that end or be like you know 25 point per game like really hitting shots level hard and then offensively maybe they're overwhelmed but mm-hmm. it's uh it's tough Denver's continue to just be so so impressive man that, yeah, I think they're really one and two on the season I think so far I think the the uh the Clippers have beat they've beaten them once anyway and I think they've lost two games against them maybe it's maybe it's only one on one I can't can't remember I was trying to trying to think back of of the games but they they've been in close battles so far this season obviously it changes when we get to, to playoff time for sure but it's interesting to kind of gauge what you can gauge uh, from this early stage and you just look at the Clippers and if this is the trend they're on if this is the Kawhi we're seeing for the whole year you're kind of like like in terms of depth and talent wise like they they are the 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 number two uh. The number two Denver. Yeah. I, I would yeah, I would agree with that. And that's that's come a long way. That's come a long way with given like what that early looks that we got with Harden in LA. And I think everyone is poking fun. Everyone is thinking like, all right, here we go again with, with Harden going to another team and it's not gonna work. Like they they needed time and I think we're still just in the very early stage of them figuring it out. Um but yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where they go. It, it's good to see them finally, you know, reap some sort of reward <laughs> they, they have to they have to make it to the finals man like with, with with Kawhi with Paul George and now Harden like it's just another team like them and the Suns there's just so much at stake not just the money wise but just in terms of legacy like you got all those three guys together in the same locker room and you didn't so it's it's funny that you got a team like the Nuggets where all homegrown guys Jokic is yeah yeah he's a MVP Multiple time MVP, but second round pick. Murray, guy that they grew there, 
Aaron Gordon, unheralded guy, all these second round picks, and that's the team that's the team to beat. Mm-hmm. Not not the not the Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal team, not the uh, you know the Kawhi team, the LeBron team, all the stars. Like it's it still blows my mind every time we talk about the Nuggets that that is that's the team to beat and that's the the way that they built it out. But you know we can talk about Nuggets all day long, and I I'm ready, man. I got the jersey on. Shall we talk some bulls? Let's go. Let's let's go. Let's do some. That's not really therapy. I think we're gonna have a fairly a fairly positive talk here, right? A normal conversation. Yeah. Normal conversation. I don't usually have normal conversations about the bulls, which is why we haven't had them recently. And I haven't talked about Kobe White probably in a year. And the thing with Kobe has always been consistency. You've mm-hmm. always seen the flashes ever since his rookie year. You saw a a month just like Lowry did uh, a whole month in February in his uh, sophomore year where, oh, my God, he's dropping like 25 points, 30 points, 25. He's averaging 30 a game. this month. And then you just kind of – it's really hard when that's your rookie, that's your play, that's someone that you watch a lot to not have the bias of, all right, this is going to continue. So with him, he's, he's never really had the playmaking down until pretty much last year. Like last year, like the, something shifted and you could trust him more with the ball. He's not going to get stripped. You have a tighter handle and he's competing more on defense. You can see that. And I, I really do believe that having Alex Cruz on your team, like having that example on the floor at all times, especially like having Lonzo Ball out there too. I think that those are guys to to learn from in the locker room. And then you have a guy like Iowa Sumo next to him where they're, they're just guys who are going to fight on defense and always compete. And Kobe's adapted to that. So you've seen like all these little parts of growth and and just to like talk where he's at right now because you know i i love the fact that you're finally getting a little recognition kobe deserves that such a hard-working guy right now he's third in league and three-pointers made and without zach levine on the floor he's averaging 25.8 points six and a half assists five and a half rebounds on 50 52 78 splits he's shooting 52 percent from three that's not gonna last you gotta you gotta get that out of the way but just the heater he's on, just the feel for the game he's had recently, the way that he's really controlling the game at times, which is is something that um, you don't always see. And you don't always see people like grow into. A lot of players, you know, that they, they, you know, they have to kind of force things and that you can't really tell if how how much deeper they can go in terms of controlling the game with the ball in their hands. And that's usually something that you kind of just can tell. You can tell the guys that will have that. But he's he's kind of developed that. And the reason I think we're also bringing that up, because we want to talk about trades today, um, with Zach Levine being all over every single trade rumor, you know, ever since he went out, and even in the beginning of the summer with, with him being rumored to being uh, linked to the Lakers, it makes it an interesting situation in which, you know, Kobe White has been so good. Um do you, if you are putting yourself in the shoes of the Bulls, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say my opinion, but like, where, where do they go with that? Do you get excited about getting off of Zach Levine, or do you try to just honestly sell? You're still going to sell everything because that's where I'm stuck at. Is hey, this is a good asset, but just sell. Yeah, you know, you like, you know where I'm at. I said it before, like, I, I, I'm in the sell camp, and, and like watching Kobe here has been. Been great. I like on the whole season, he's averaging 17 points and shoot 43% from, from deep. Over the last seven games, 
He's averaging 26 points per game and just under seven assists a game. And the team are five and two. He's been the big part of them actually putting some wins together. They went from being a team that were five and 14 to a team that are now 10 and 16. And Kobe's been a big part of that. And whether they want to keep Levine or not, whether they want to keep DeRozan or not, unfortunately, the Bulls tried and it's just failed. They're miles off competing in the Eastern Conference. There isn't any room for them to make any sort of moves that can get them back even close to being a top six team in the East, I think, at the moment. Maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing. You can get a few draft picks for Zach Levine. Maybe you can pick up a draft pick. Maybe a young player if if you're dishing uh, DeRozan as well. Just go, just just give up and and rebuild. Give the put the ball in the Summers' hands. To put the ball in, in in Kobe's hands. Go out there and do your thing. And let's let's see where we can we can move on to from here. Because I think they're so far off it. There's no room to make the moves. I don't see why they they'd really consider keeping the likes of Levine or the Rosen around, especially Levine. The the contract that he's on doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think the the. The fundamental question to answer is like, is this is this just a player getting more minutes and this is like kind of flash in the pan? Like Kobe is just doing this because Levine's out and we can't just assume he's gonna do this over the course of a whole season without Levine. And that that's a tough question to answer. Because on on one side of it, like like I was saying, but with with how he's controlling the game, with how he's competing on both ends, like everything looks sustainable besides the shooting. Besides the shooting. Like he's not gonna be a a 26 point per game score i mean he could develop into that but it's it's hard not to think about the fact that he's 23 and there's so many other stories you can think about you can think about jamal murray for example a a guy who's been you know hurt inconsistent nuggets didn't really have a you know a clear plan when he was rookie sophomore but once he once he really found himself like we know who jamal murray is and maybe he's not a he's not a superstar but he's a guy who brings in the playoffs. He's a guy who's super valuable to his team, regardless. They're not the same player, that's all I'm saying. But it's and then you gotta think about too, like Lowry Marketing, a guy that you traded <laughs> you traded Jones Jr. and or you traded for Jones Jr. and a protected first round pick that will now become a second round pick, essentially. And that's what you got for a guy who's a future all-star and another guy we'll talk about on the trade market, a guy who's worth what, two first round picks at least. If if the Jazz decide to get off of him, so it's it's a precarious period of time where you know someone might come through to the Bulls and say, hey, like we'll trade you X Y Z for Kobe because he's on a three year thirty six million dollar contract. If he's a twenty point per game, six assist guy on good efficiency, high volume three point shooter, like that is a that's a twenty five million dollar a year player. That that that's a guy you're not finding anywhere for for twelve million. And it's it's tough to not think about. All right, just gotta blow it up, like you said, like because you can't just be like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna get off Levine and Rosen, and we're gonna see where we go with the young guys. You have to also consider: are any of these guys worth anything in the future? Like, do we just need to do a full full cleanup? So, part of me wants to to see the Kobe experience and trade Levine. The other part of me is like, you know, we we can't just not listen to every offer. It's this is why this is why GMs get paid the bid bucks, and I don't know why. I used to believe in AK. I used to believe in the vision, but it just needs to be a clean slate. So I don't know. It's it's a tough 
it's a tough uh, area to to try and figure out. So you're continuing to say you don't know what you want to see happen for for Chicago. Because there's there's two sides. Yeah, there's two sides to it. Because like, you you can't trust you can't trust that a not a ten game sample size, fifteen game sample size. What what sample size do you trust? You're like, all right, this this is what it will be. And even even then, you get off Levine. Take Kobe out of the take Kobe out of the equation. Do you think okay. that they should be wanting to keep Levine and, and DeRozan at this time? Um, no, definitely not. Definitely not. There's your answer. Definitely not. Well, that that's I get if you so I'll I'll make it more complicated. If you get an offer for Kobe as well, do you do you take it? If it's a if it's a future future first from a team that is going to be, you know, you're basically going to be getting back a late first round pick. I mean, that's like, look at this. Way. Like, like right now, say you got two young players, four first round picks between the three guys, between Levine, DeRozan, Kobe. What do you, what do you think about that? Like total, like that's the payout from whoever you you're getting it from. Like in a vacuum, yeah, in a vacuum, yeah. But also at a certain point, when, when do you just like get some mileage out of your players that you draft? Yeah, that's why. I that's about ba- that's about. I, I think keep, is tough. Keep. I think maybe I'm not saying don't listen to any offers for Kobe White. I'm not saying he's gonna remain this great player that he's been for the last uh, the last seven ten game stretch. But I think that. Clear out there, go with run run with Kobe for this year, then look at it again in a broader site and, and look where you go to from the summer. I think that's the that's the, the, the best play, I think, for for the Bulls. And maybe you might get a few teams being desperate and you might get a, a bit more than you should for, for someone like DeRozan or someone like Levine. Yeah. Um seems like they already tried to make a, a crazy swing there. We'll just talk about Levine here, like <laughs> Levine for Garland. Like how how quickly did Cleveland hang up the phone? Problem is Cleveland are kind of uh, they're kind of kind of desperate in a sense. Why? Because of the injuries that their team is facing. Because of the fact that they still don't know if Donovan Mitchell wants to stay with the team long term. The fact that they're on a bit of a slide, and they. Gave up a lot to get Donovan Mitchell. They might not be able to get any of that back, and it could turn into a real disaster. I mean, this time last year we were thinking the Gobert trade by by Minnesota was the major disaster. It could turn out that the Cavs trading for Donovan Mitchell could be a bigger disaster. Hmm. Interesting, because now it's working out for the T Wolves. I, I think they just need a little bit of time, and they're injured. This is going to be such a sketchy time where all these rumors are going to come out it's like oh does he want to stay and all that and now Mobley's out of six to eight weeks Garland broke his face but I, I think that they have enough depth hopefully to to survive this stretch if you just look at the the schedule coming up but if, if you if you if they were desperate enough like Levine's not the answer like Levine's not going to solve the issues that the Cavs have it, it's it's far in terms of their vision if, if Mitchell just wants to win a championship and he needs to be on the best team possible for a championship, and he's not going to be patient for it. Levine's not fixing it. Yeah, but I mean, we've seen teams make desperate moves before, like the Lakers when they went and got Russ. Like we've seen teams make real 
moves of desperation in times of panic like it, it, it's happened and it wouldn't be crazy to see it happen in this Cleveland situation but I think on the whole like yeah the, the fit with Garland they, the, the, Garland's a more natural point guard I feel like Levine and, and Mitchell are two similar type of players so I don't think that is the move at all but also I wouldn't be crazy if Cleveland were to do that just like I was saying I think they're there is that that slight element of panic, that slight element of doubt is going to come into some minds in uh, in the big jobs in Cleveland, and it, it wouldn't be surprising if they were to make a, a bit of a desperation move. What What about the Lakers? Uh, my question with the Lakers is, is, is that is that worth your final assets? Is Levine worth your final assets? So the future future picks. I think that would, it, it would that's what it would take because we're taking back nothing essentially. Delo, Hachimura, and what That's do they even have? Have they nothing. got a pick left? They, they're, yeah, they, they have they have two. You're there like 2027, 2028 okay. picks. So it would be 2027, 2028 swap or something. Maybe 2029. Yeah, that's how far ahead we'd be talking. Yeah, I mean, like it's kind of it, like in a sense, it wouldn't be a crazy move from LA. I don't know how much it changes things for now. But then at the same time, you're thinking over that period, you're thinking you're still going to have the Levine and AD through to that, that stage. And maybe you won't be too desperate, Dude, too desperate for, for your pick. So. Levine's going to be 30 by and still have, I believe, three years left on his contract. AD will be 32, I want to say. 31, 32. And we're... we're and we're we're finally seeing him be moderately healthy this past year, moderately, and this is as good as it's ever gotten. And those are the two guys that you would trade your only first round pick in the future for, or not trade, but that you would be building around and sacrifice of that. Because LeBron, Lakers LeBron's going where we're, we're the Lakers running. don't draft. Come on, yeah, homo. <laughs> Lakers don't do drafting. That's not that's not what the Lakers do. They, they yeah, they do. What are you talking about? How do you think they got AD? How do you think they got AD? So they drafted. Okay, yeah, sorry. They drafted, they drafted these guys, guys and then and then who did they draft? They drafted Caruso. Who did they draft? They drafted Reeves. Okay, maybe these weren't lottery guys, but I mean they, they did not draft, draft Caruso or Reeves. They were both they were both undrafted. Well, they 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 picked them up. <laughs> they, they they signed them. <laughs> this is fair, um, but my point being that. I I think that it would be the risk is a lot bigger than people are appreciating unless you really. Unless the cost, and there's an the argument. Cost for it. is a massive thing. Like the, the Lakers are are kind of close to the to, to the realms of like obviously obviously getting into the uh, the luxury tax and things like that. Like it's a it's a lot of money for the Lakers to commit to. Yeah, I mean? and this would be it. This would this would be basically all right, LeBron. This is your last championship. So I mean that that is that's a fair that's a fair question. Is you know their perimeter shooting has been non-existent. And Gabe Vincent coming back can't be the only thing that fixes that. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe it is worth it. I, I think it's a toss up. I, I don't I don't feel super confident that that is the trigger that you pull when you're the Lakers and you don't know what's happening in 2027. You have no true. idea. True, true. That's that's very true. What, what else we got on the trade on the trade block? OG to the Pistons. Mm. Apparently the yeah. Pistons are liking. That, I love that. Liking love that, that that feel. What do you um, think the Pistons would give? Would would have to give up? What would they would they try to give up to to make a deal like that happen? Like obviously the Pistons are too 
bad right now to give up first round picks. That would that that would hurt a lot. Like, what are you convincing yourself of of getting OG? Like, are you going to be out of the lottery? I don't think so. That that doesn't that doesn't change that front. Like OG OG is a guy that I believe would raise a team's potential if they're a borderline contender to being a contender. I, I feel like in general that's kind of the guy I see him as. He's he's not he's not going to blossom into the guy that pulls them out of the mud no. and into the playoffs. But, but I mean it is tantalizing to think about him and Asar Thompson and and Jalen Duran like that. That deep defensive wing duo would that would be the best defensive wing duo in the league, easily. Um, but would you trade? I don't know. Would you then, if you don't want to like give up the potential of still having draft assets, would you consider Ivy? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, would you give even? Would you go like Jaden Ivy and the like a 2026 first round pick or something like that? It would be this year. I, I think people. It's becoming increasingly clear, and scouts know this probably months in advance, a year in advance, like the strength of each draft. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of 2024 first round picks, like unprotected picks, just being like thrown out there because people don't believe in it. I don't think they would give up future. Uh, when when is uh, I I think 2025 is when people talk about being a good draft, but 2024 would definitely be thrown in there. But just given the fact that Ivy's been just benched at times, just not. Just relegated. It's nothing. Yeah, it feels like he's not not what Monty Williams wants. It, that's how it seems. Obviously, still early early days, still trying to figure things out. But that's kind of the vibe you're getting. So if they wanted to, they'd be the buyers more so than Toronto really being the sellers. So they'd kind of have to make the package that little bit more lucrative to to be able to get a guy like Ananobi. I mean, last year obviously the Raptors were going to get forty five first round picks for OG Ananobi. So. Uh, one player in one first round pick, I think, is is a pretty good deal. Yeah, that's a that's a really good deal. But I, it seems like just on the news front, it, it seems like they don't want to trade OG unless something is too good. And defining too good, I, I feel like Ivy and two pick like a, a young point guard and two future lottery picks would be too good for the Raptors to say no. But I think they they want to they would pay OG long term, but they're trying to get off Siakam. It seems like. That, that's the guy who doesn't fit long term. And speaking of Siakam, the uh, Bleacher Report actually figured out a three-team trade that could send Pascal Siakam to Indiana. So the Raptors would me. receive Jarris Walker, Jalen Smith, Davis Bertans, a 2024 first-round pick from the Pacers, and a 2024 first-round pick from the Thunder. The Pacers would get Pascal Siakam, Garrett Temple, and Coloco, and the Thunder would get Bruce Brown. What do you think about that? So the the Thunder. Why did the Thunder do this? Eh, added a bit, added another veteran presence into their team. I think a guy that's shown he can adapt to any situations get off of a useless guy like Davis Bertans, even though he's the greatest three-point shooter ever. <laughs> Dude, I mean, D- Davis Bertans is definitely a guy that they they want to play around with that $17 million contract. And that's going to be in like every single three, three team trade out there for anybody. Um, that's, I mean, you, you obviously like that. Who do the Pacers get? The Pacers gets Siakam. Siakam, Garrett Temple and uh, Coloco. 
Okay, so it's basically just Siakam. Mm-hmm. And you're assuming that the Raptors only want two first-round picks just from next year and nothing else. I, I think they... I think Raptors, it depends when it happens. This would be a trade that would happen like at the trade deadline. This would be a trade that would happen at the trade deadline because, and this is exactly why, um, I don't think you mentioned this, but we saw something with John Hollander that not a single trade has happened in the month of December in like past like five years or something. Only like a handful happened in the first couple of weeks of, of January. And then pretty much all of them happened like, the days like right at the trade deadline or like literally the hours before so that that's like push comes to shove because then toronto's gonna go everywhere else and be like hey like we we got this like what's up and i think they they would be looking for for more future picks just given what we know about the 2024 draft but not a bad starting point and i think that that's definitely that's definitely a call that would be made and considered and then you try to look for more hey atlanta mm-hmm. we got kings what do you got do we like do we like Keegan Murray for the Raptors? And it, this is really funny because uh, people are talking about well, Keegan Murray is like the cornerstone. Everyone loves him. Like he's very important to the Kings. Dude, they traded Tyrese Halliburton for Devonta Sabonis. Like, of course they would, they would think about, you know, what what would a, uh, what would a trade for Siakam do for the team? What would a trade for OG do for their team? Um, what else we got? Marketing is Marketing one to talk about. Apparently, like Absolutely. rumors rumors are that he's available. Where where do you think is a as an air as a team? What teams do you think would be in the market for a guy like Larry Markham? Every everybody and their mother from OKC fan base believes that he's gonna be showing up in the in the blue. And I had to say I love that. Like he absolutely fits what OKC does. And I think he would give a lot more opportunity for um Chet um Jalen and for Shea to do more on ball and I mean he'd just be the perfect fit he'd be the perfect fit they'd continue to just be the the biggest switchiest slash great spacing like everything that they'd be able to do they do even better because just imagine replacing Giddy on the wing with marketing yeah yeah and you, you don't really need that that's the funny thing like we, we loved what we saw from Giddy rookie year and we know that he has potential to to get better but in this current context it's not happened and he's honestly taking away he's taking away from touches from williams who knows great playmaker and we i believe that you know he should be fourth in the pecking order chet should be taking more shots than him chet should be playmaking more at the nail than him um there's a lot more i think you could do with chet with having the ball in his hand so there's there's a lot of reasons to think that giddy is also a piece that could be moved and you know think about utah they they could envision Giddy as a long term kind of play. Who who would who would value Giddy? A team that has a blank slate. And they, they kind of do. They they have they have kind of a like a combo. They have kind of a combo guard in Keontae George, who's looked awesome. He's apparently untouchable. And him and Giddy, that could be a duo that they can envision. Because I'm not really sure what Utah wants. To do, you never I know what think, I thinking. think OKC maybe just just has enough of uh, draft assets to be able to uh, make <laughs> exactly. a little bit of package. And they, Ainge always wants picks. Ainge always wants picks. Yeah, I think actually that's a that's a very interesting, uh, very interesting idea. So yeah, that, that that's definitely one to keep an eye on. Markinum's obviously one to keep an eye on. 
the Jazz really crapped out. Obviously, they shocked last year with their great start. Obviously, they did drop off a bit at the end, but the fact that they were anything last year was a surprise, and now they've really slumped back into being completely nothing. So with the the levels that they're at, you kind of think it, it would make sense for both parties to move on, I think. As great like as Markham was last year, it, I think now is a time where it would make sense for both parties to to make a move. Yeah, I mean Markkinen would be. I I could see Ainge just hanging on to him just as his talent, and if if Markkinen just wants a home, because God knows, like I mean, it, this is finally the first time he's felt comfortable being like himself, and being his true form of like an all star player. And his team as well, yeah. Like exactly, like that. That's got to be something that has huge value for him when he never had that in Chicago. Obviously, he didn't have that in Cleveland, and now he gets to have that. And you, like, I think if if Utah had any mutual interest and they didn't love like a bunch of like middling first round picks, why not? Like, if if you're gonna be bad with an all star on your team and still have another lottery pick, and you have a point guard that you think is your future, that that also could be something that they just. It would have to be like OKC. Okay, I think would have to unload the treasure chest for. for yeah, I feel I feel like they're probably dangling Marklin to try and get this a a, a pretty ridiculous mm-hmm. package for him. I feel like that's exactly. what Utah that's are trying to do. That's the game, hundred mm-hmm. percent. I can see that. Okay, um, you got anything else to trade block? You want to move move on to our to our rookie rookie report? I think that's it. We we're gonna have so many more rumors. I'm sure Bleacher. There's there's someone sitting at their desk eight hours a day, creating every fake trade you can think of over the next couple of weeks, three weeks, two months. But I want to check in with our, our rookies real quick. I want to just give a grade, see what we've seen from them statistically and maybe what they need to get better at or what they're currently getting better at. Um, and so far, man, I've loved this draft class, like where mm-hmm. we're going to have to do a two-parter, I think, to, to cover everyone. Just going through minutes, there's been so many productive rookies, guys who played serious minutes on both good, bad, middling teams, but making serious contributions. And a couple of guys we can probably go through quickly because we've talked about them so much already because they've been they've been just that good. Um, Wemby, 19 points per game, still keeping it up and scoring. 11 rebounds, 2.7 assists. We know he's an A. We know he's special. We know he's generational. We've seen so many things from him. Um, real quick. I want to just talk about what he needs to get better at. And we love the ball handling, but the ball handling needs to look better next year. Mm-hmm. The That that will unlock so much more for him. It's just not tight enough to to get to the spots he wants to get to. But it's there. I mean, the, the, the potential is there for him to, to keep progressing, to be more of a shot creator and, and do more off the bounce, do more off the dribble. And the shooting, that's a big thing for me. I knew it was gonna be a work in progress, but it's 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 abysmal. That's why I say he's a minus, not a minus. Not, All right, that's a. fair. That's fair. That'll give him a little bit of knock because it's he's not been excelling. He's not really even good. Like like the team he's playing on is four and twenty this season. Obviously, that's not all his fault. It's a very young team, but there 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 is the 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 pretty traditional uh, struggles of a rookie that he is having. He needs to start being more aggressive. He needs to get to the rim more and not settle for as many three point shots as he's as he's settling for. If man, like if he's starting to track the rim like that, like who's stopping him? Absolutely nobody. Like that, like that, that comes into the handle of the element as well. That that exactly, battle, yeah. 
that'll that'll uh, contribute to that too. But yeah, I'd like to see it as the season progresses from here. I'd I'd like to see him become more aggressive and really try and attack that rim. Yeah, and that part I didn't want to blame him too much for because who's who's making a great entry pass? Who's who's making a pocket pass? Who who's making a lob at the right time? Like good timing on this play, and like those are things I think like you take for granted when you when you're watching good playmakers out there. Like th- those are not easy passes to make against good NBA defenses, who are loading up on Victor Wembanyama, who are ready for that, who, who know that that's exactly the guy they're trying to get to. Um, but so, but the no, shooting, yeah, yeah. Sorry, before you get into that, I will say the one thing I haven't seen from them as much. Obviously, it's different in the preseason. Teams aren't trying as hard, but. He was running the floor a lot harder in the preseason, and there was a lot of elements where a team would miss a shot, and he'd be already up the floor, and they just chucked the ball along to him, and and, and he'd try and do something. That, obviously, that's not a consistent thing you're able to do in basketball, but I feel like we haven't really seen that at all in the regular season. I think there's been elements where they try and pass into his chest to try and bounce pass into him. Throw it up top. No one else is going to get the ball. That, Wendy's, I mean, that, that's Wendy's the thing. Like, grab so many, they so many bad that. lobs. How many bad lobs do you see per game? How many bad entry passes? And there's just not enough playmakers there. But I, I think the shooting is definitely on him. It's the level of difficulty is definitely affecting, which is funny to say because no one can block his shot. But I mean, how many how many tough threes is he taking? Um, and the thing is, he's shooting 23% on catch and shoot threes. No, so not- it's it's not just the you know the the difficult leaners, you know catching, you know in movement. I mean that that's still impressive that he's he's able to have a consistent shot, um, coming off of a screen, or pulling up for three, and that's something that gives me confidence that it will get better. But uh, it's just surprisingly low for him, and yeah, I'd agree with the A minus. We'll go with that. Yeah, I think that's fair. And then obviously Chet, I think. Chet is tough. I want to say Chet's an A, but at the same time, an a plus. <laughs> he, he's an A, but at the same time, he's not having to do obviously as much as, as Webinyama's having to do. Like he's fitting into a team that are yeah. that are on the rise. He's fitting into a team where he doesn't have to be that lead guy. He's having to take less shots, probably having to take less difficult shots. But I feel like we've seen just as much from him in in, in clutch moments and stepping up with big plays for OKC as we've seen from Webinyama in San Antonio. So I think I put Chet, Chet as a as an A so far this year, 17 points, eight rebounds, 2.4 blocks, shooting 52% of the field and 37% from uh, from three-point range. 15 and eight, OKC, like he's looked really great. And I think like he, he isn't shooting as much as he should be. He's probably not getting yeah. as much touches as he should, and he's still doing this. And that's what's really impressive. Yeah, and he's had some really, he's had a really impressive blend of ball handling, which was something that he didn't seem to have a great grasp of in college and looking at him in summer league, but I this confidence or just working on it. Like I clearly a lot of people talk about the hard work he puts in, but already looks confident there. And that's huge development for a guy who, you know, we kind of thought of as just a pick and pop guy. And for reference, like he coming in as a rookie, he's basically right up there with Chris Stapps, right up there with Miles Turner. Like he is one of the best pick and pop bigs in the league but all the stuff you can do off the dribble like the the spin layups the floaters he's done he's shooting 40 percent on pull-ups in mid-range which isn't great but for a rookie and for at his size and you know that you can see the vision there um and 71 percent of turnaround jumpers like he's a guy that i think could do a lot more work on the post and can create for himself and can create for others there um i also want to talk about the pick and roll real quick great stat here 1.2 points per possession 
on pick and rolls as a role man. That is Giannis and Sabonis territory. Like he's been for a guy that's you know saying that he's too skinny, he's not gonna be able to finish the paint. He's rolling hard to the rim, and this is just the the beginning. You know, he's not he's not having um, as many possessions, which surprisingly Giannis isn't either because it's the Bucks and they're not running pick and roll. But that's fine. I I think it's just been amazing how versatile he's been on both ends of the floor. He can literally do everything, and like you said, kind of fits into the team. And I don't think it's even lack of aggression. It's it's his his DNA is team basketball, and that's such an awesome place to start. Is there's no forcing anything. And I, I I don't want to confuse playing within the construct of the the game plan and the team versus passivity. So well I I think it'll just naturally progress as, you know, if they get Giddy out of there, which I think would be better for the team and for him. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's the one thing I would say about improving is, you know, more creation, having more touches. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair, but he's been he's He's been great, and I'm loving. I'm so happy. I'm seeing him him deliver so far, and if that continues, like if he finishes the season and he's even like just below fifty percent from the field and, and around like 36 percent from three, like that's a that's a pretty pretty great level for for uh, for a rookie. What about one guy that obviously we weren't expecting much from, but we uh, we we should have been expecting because he's playing for the Miami Heat, Jamie Jackets Jr. He's he's been great, like. I don't know if I can put him in the same round, but from what we were expecting to what we're getting, I think you got to give him an A slot too. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, that, that's exactly why I gave him an A. That's exactly why I gave him an A. Um, and I mean, where, where do you start with this guy? Like, you you get into his tape, you start looking at what he does on both ends of the floor, and he is, and we're not surprised, right? He's he's a Miami Heat player, dude. Like, the amount of effort he puts on defense, the He's just so connected with the team. And that, that's something that usually takes time for rookies. I mean, you're you're orienting yourself to a whole other defensive scheme, especially the number of schemes that um, they run in Miami. And that's something that probably takes a long time to get adjusted to. And he's just seamlessly fit in there. And then you take it to the other end of the floor. I am just, I'm just in love with his offensive game. And the one hole that he had uh, coming into the draft was three-point shooting. Guess what? He's shooting forty percent from three. Yeah, shooting forty percent from three, and he's never. I don't think he'll be a volume guy. He, he's not. He's not someone who's going to be like coming off screens like a Max Struess kind of guy. But the the fact of the matter is, he's such a smart cutter. Yeah, he's such mm-hmm. a smart shooter. Like he has such a good feel for the game. And when you're playing off of a guy like Jimmy Butler, who's going to draw so many doubles, who's going to know how to find got good cutters like him, like. It's just such a great fit. And I think not not something that I think is like he needs to get better at. I think he just needs the opportunity to do it. Like with his bag of tricks, getting into the paint, really being a patient finisher. Like I, I think that he has more in store in terms of, you know, getting him the ball and letting him work a little bit in the same way that they let Jimmy work. Like I think he can kind of fit that that mold of a as a post scorer and playmaker for others because I, I think he's got great vision too when he's passing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, and for a guy for the most part, it's coming off the bench. He's averaging 13, 4, and 3. He's shooting over 50% from the field, 40% from 3. Like, he's been a great impact player. And he's probably, I don't know, maybe this was always in the plan, but I feel like he's obviously gotten a bit more opportunity with some of the injuries that the, the Heat have had to deal with. And, and he's taking full advantage of that. And he, like, he's having some, he's had some really big 20 point scoring games, really crucial games where he comes up with big buckets. 
And anytime you watch the heat, like you mentioned this cutting, I feel like you see it like two, three times a game. He just makes excellent cuts and gets great, gets uh, gets great and easy baskets for for Miami. But in terms of what we were expecting and what we've got, like he's got to be an A. Like he's been he's yeah, been unbelievable. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And this is the beginning. This is just the beginning. I, I, I the interesting thing when you watch a guy like that is like, what's his scope? Because he's what he's twenty two, going to turn twenty three. He's a little bit older. Um, but Desmond Bain is a little bit older. I mean, we've talked about some guys over the years who were came in older and had that knock on them and got better. But then you have a guy like Keegan Murray, where now we're on the we're on the cusp. We're like, okay, is he? But he has, yeah, I think he has such scope to to be a you know a secondary option for the Heat. Like he's going to be a guy that in the playoffs, like other teams are going to hate. They are going to hate that this random rookie that they've never heard of. As they, as so many as so many uh, viewers are gonna start watching basketball in in May and June, I'm gonna be like, who's it? Who's this guy? Who who? Jamie who? Hame who? I don't even know how to say that. And he's gonna be dropping twenty on your favorite team in a game seven. And I think he's got that killer instinct. And he's dude, he's just so Miami Heat basketball. So I loved getting to his tape. Love to see what he's gonna do moving forward. And I I think you know is is he is he an all star type talent, or or is he just a is he a secondary score, maybe off the bench score? Is it too early to say? Is this yeah, even it's, it's, it's too early. I think at, the, at this stage, I just say a, a, a good, good role player. But you, you never know what might happen. Yeah, especially when you're a Miami Heat player, you can go from being a nothing to a superstar very quickly. <laughs> exactly. That that that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, and kind of in that same breath, same but a little different. Uh, I want to talk about Sarah Thompson. Let's get let's let's grade him real quick. 10.4 points, 1.2 blocks, one steal, 8.2 rebounds. He's a win, guys. Yes, 14% on threes. Yes, the shot's bad. We know. 62.3% in the restricted area. He's a good finisher. Gets to the rim. The thing is with Asar, and I think we, we've talked about him before. He's People know about him now. Um, I think he's so ahead of schedule that we're like, the fact that we're even talking about the shot. It's awesome. Like he has so much feel on the defensive end. He's so good on ball. And even when he's bad on ball at times, like he's so like his instincts, his ability to the time a shot, like how quick he is to jump. Like that's why he's he's 96th percentile in block percentage. He's 99th percentile in offensive rebounding percentage. He's 97th percentile in defensive rebounding percentage. That that's like that that's like Rudy Gobert. Like you're you're talking about he he has the the advanced metrics of a elite defensive big and he's a wing and i think just thinking about the detroit pistons and like their future like they found a guy who's going to be regardless of the like if the shot comes like he will be on that team he will be on any team where he brings like elite elite defensive playmaking not not just standard deep like he will be a game changer for them um and like obviously like it's it's we know that the shot's bad it's broken but I mean, let, let's think about if you guys like Jalen Brown. Where was his shot? Not to say like it's not to say he's going to develop. Jalen Brown's come so far, which is such a cool story when you think back to as a rookie. Like he didn't really have an offensive game, just like this hyper athletic wing, great on defense. And then Lonzo Ball, he turned it around. Herb Jones, you're seeing him turn a corner right now. Like there's there is hope for for guys like Asar. Um, I'm giving him a B plus just in terms of like what he's shown us on everything except for shooting. Um, 
what other parts of this game do you feel like? We're being very generous with our grades here. Are we? Well, I mean, maybe, maybe we drop him down to a B, maybe, just because he's playing on a team that are so damn bad. I mean, dude, I know you I, can't put that on him, but nah, Ronan, if he okay, was on a okay, winning okay, team okay, right okay. now, I would, I would, if, if I had a vote, I'd put him on an all defensive team. Okay. That, that, okay. That's how impressive he is on the floor. And he's 20 years old. That's fair. That's, that's fair. That's absurd. Yeah. The, the athleticism is the big thing. Like, that's why I wouldn't have too many concerns about the shot because you think there's plenty of time to see that turn around. Yeah. He's yeah. never going to be a 40% shooter or anything like that. But if he, he can turn around to a, an acceptable level and his biggest impact is going to come running the floor, being a big part of transition plays, being a big yeah. defensive stopper for the team, that's where his real value is. So there's, there's no reason to panic about the, the shot too much. And, in terms of what we've seen from from Pistons picks and what we've seen from this team as a whole, he has been a he has been a bright spark. And I know you got really annoyed with uh, was a Gilbert Arenas really kind of trashing him on a uh, on a uh, on his podcast the other day. That was uh, that was you got you got very upset about him. Oh, I, don't, uh, I don't even remember what he what he said about Asar, but it, it was um... he wouldn't be part of his future. But he, that's that was, uh, was that was what he was that it was what he was oh, going he, for. He, he was talking about like uh, like his points, like dude, you you. I mean, I'm not gonna. Gilbert Arenas has forgotten more about basketball than I'll ever know. Um, but like, what what were you averaging in your rookie year? I think someone that was like the top comments. And Gilbert Arenas averaged like 10 points in the game. Like, get out of here, dude. Like, Asar Thompson is, we don't care about how many points he's scoring right now. And the fact that he has, I mean, he has a 20-point game. Um, It's not come from shooting. And he knows what he's good at. Like, he know he's a, he's a smart cutter. And he's a good passer. Not a great passer, but he's he's got the feel. He's not a guy that you pass the ball to and it sticks. He's a guy who's going to keep the ball moving and... That again, all these things for a rookie, and I think it's cool to, to see a lot of rookies be doing this. It's it's something that usually comes with time, but he's has all the instincts and the DNA for it. And one thing is that I believe you predicted when we did our, our pre-draft uh, lottery that he would have a bigger impact than uh, than Amen as a, as a rookie and maybe beyond them. We're we're definitely seeing that. Oh I, yeah, I I didn't. I mean, I will not take credit for how insane he's been on the boards and defensively that I don't think anyone, anyone saw that coming, but the obvious is the shooting. Um, and to make it worse, we'll just put numbers to it. Like 68% from the line is probably the most concerning thing. Like that's our, that's our one thing that we can reliably statistically rely on for um, an indicator for good shooting in the future. Mm-hmm. 51% true shooting. Um, but yeah, like I said, Herb Jones looked pretty bad. Jalen Brown wore no jumper. Lonzo Ball, that was disgusting. And they turned it around. Herb Jones is coming along. And uh, we just got to hope that Asar can get a jump shot. My question is for Asar, if he is a 38% three-point shooter, if he is able to orchestrate a little bit of all, he's a secondary secondary creator for them, Is how, how many all-star games does a guy like that go to? In general, like with his defense, with with his impact, like, and if he's just a good, competent offensive player, that was so tough for the guys. guys that. Yeah, like it's so tough to like kind of pick that for guys that yeah. when the real value is the defensive side of the ball, they can they can. It's tough to really make a prediction on that. I think. 
Yeah, like predict we, how many teams he'll be a part of that go deep in the playoffs might be a, might be a better realm than a, mm, than a, yeah than a yeah. all star games. So he would have to leave the Pistons essentially. Um, <laughs> I think you got time for do you got time for one or two more? Yeah, who have you got? Uh, someone that has been consistently forgotten about, which is for a fair reason because it's Charlotte. Um, Brandon Miller, that's he's he's still there. He's a rookie. Yeah, I mean, I I talked about that. I I've almost completely forgotten about him. Yeah, like I mean, what what do you got? I I have I haven't done enough on him. I I've forgotten about him for the most part. Dude, I, how many people like raise your hand if if you've watched more than two Charlotte Hornets games this year? Okay, mm-hmm. um, so a lot of catch up work to do, but looking at how he's been scoring, it's been super encouraging. Um, so just on the whole, like counting numbers, he's fifteen points per game, four rebounds, two two point two assists, to one point six turnovers. Not bad, not terrible. Um, and he's shooting 40% from three on five attempts. Like that, that is like the consistency there. And the fact that he's doing it both on the catch and he's doing it off the off the dribble, like on pull-ups, both of those he's shooting around 38, 39%. Like I did not expect the consistency to come that soon from from three from Brandon Miller for a guy who just disappeared off the face of the earth in March Madness when the team needed him the most. And that really just tanks his, his perception um, among mm-hmm. other things that we don't have to talk about. But I think that the coolest part about the Brandon Miller experience so far is watching him play defense as well. Because we forget this dude is 6'9". This mm-hmm. dude is Paul George, essentially. that We had to deal with the Cam Reddish experience and comparing Cam Reddish to Paul George all those years and just expecting that. So we won't do that. But, dude, they're having him guard ones, twos, threes, four. Like, he's guarding everybody. So to see him, like, take on really tough defensive assignments and for an area that was of great concern for him on the perimeter, he's holding shooters 4.4% less than their average. And that's really good. That's, like, 90-something percentile. Like, he's really up there in terms of using his length on the perimeter, really defending guys. And... Honestly, he just needs to hit the weight room. He's not able to defend it in, in the interior. Still working on verticality. Still working on like moving his hips and staying with quicker guys in the perimeter. You can get blown by at times. But the fact that he takes those assignments, the fact that his potential is a defending one through four kind of player, and then you add on the the, the shot creation. You add on the three-point shooting. You add on the – well, the rebounding is not there, but I, I, I believe that will come along. The, the rebounding is one thing he does need to get better on. Like, I think we're sleeping on a guy who we've not talked about once, but really I think could have, I don't know, like one of the highest potentials in the in this draft. Like, we, yeah, we talk about maybe all the time. Yeah, Wimmy's going to be amazing. Yeah, Chet, Chet's going to be amazing. Um, we also got to think about a guy like Brandon Miller who at 6'9 could be like, you know, a playmaking, shot-creating, two-way 6'9 wing. Like, that is – that's a monster like in process there. And that, I think that it's going to take time, but he's really impressed me so far. Yeah. And the biggest hit against him is unfortunately he's in Charlotte. So it's so, it's so tough to really uh, keep an eye on him. It's tough now that obviously he's going to be playing without uh, Lamelo for, for a while. Maybe that might be a good thing for him in terms of what he's the, the pressure that's going to be put on him there. They're going to expect more from him. I think he's back. He, is he in the starting lineup now? No, he was coming off the bench early. I feel like he's playing a lot more from there. Uh, from the start now, and he still had had some big games. So I think he's a guy definitely to keep an eye on. 
he's a guy that I don't think it'd be crazy, especially playing without Lamelo. Like if he was get up there and he was probably the next one behind behind Wemby in terms of uh, points per game for rookies come to come the end of the season. Like I don't think that'd be uh, that'd be insane. So the potential is definitely there. It's just. I think he's a guy where we could really see him start to pop off maybe two, three years down the line rather than in later this year as like oh, a sophomore. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think he's a guy too that like once, once he gets his body in like an NBA body, cause he's still very skinny, mm-hmm. still very skinny, but he's such a long wing. Like he's, he's got hands for days and the fact that they're, they're working him, on defense that he's doing this early i I don't think we saw that really from the 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 defensive challenge from tatum i'm just comparing like another playmaking like uh shot creating wing like that a lot of that went to smart like smart had that handle like they day one they're like all right you are going to be one of our franchise players like you go defend stuff great there you go go take some reps on Giannis. there you go See, see what we get from that but I think it's been a very pleasant surprise. I'm gonna since since I've been giving out too many good grades, I, I will say I'll give him a I'll, I'll give him a B plus. plus nah, B. come on, give him a B minus. B, B minus. B minus. Top grader here. I, I'll, well, B minus. What's the B minus? Oh, I think. I think B I'll, minus. I'll say B minus for the the he could do a lot better uh, rebounding, and he could do a lot better defending in the uh, in the paint. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that, that that's fair. That's, that, we'll close it out for there. We'll, we'll we'll look at the the rest of the rookies on the next pod. That was the, that was kind of our probably probably the top five that are, that we're seeing in the in, minutes, in the yeah. NBA in the NBA at the moment. So that's that's kind of the the main the main core. We'll get we'll get to some of the other guys on the next pod. But before we finish up, I do have to ruin your day by picking you your know. by picking your brain. We got we got oh time for a quiz, Chris. It's time. It's time. You got to you gotta get. You gotta be thinking. You gotta be ready. Come on. You good? You feeling it? I'm. I'm not feeling it, but th- this seems. This seems necessary. I will say, it's not a lot of sleep that we're going on here. We're going on. You know what? Let's just do it. Let's just do it. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. I want you to name every player that has finished in the top three in MVP voting since 2000, but has not won the award. Oh, since 2000. That has never. All right. So someone since 2000 has never won before. They've never yeah. won it full stop since since two thousand. They've either they finished in the top three in voting, but they've never actually won the award. You've got let's see, one, how many two, people? Three, four, how many players? Five, five players. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven players have done this. All right, what's my passing rate? What what, what do I got to hit? I mean, I I'll tell if you can get six of the eleven. I mean, you I'll give I'll give you a get over fifty percent. Um, Chris Paul. Chris Paul one. That's right. Okay. Um. Uh. Can we let's let's think early earlier now? We've never won it. I'm gonna say. Um. Since two thousand, you said it's two thousand. It's two thousand. Um. Did Dwight Howard win an MVP? I think Dwight Howard won. Did Dwight Howard win an MVP? No. I'm gonna say Dwight. No, but you're right. 2011. Let's go. Okay. Yep. Okay. 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 Um, Dirk won an MVP. He won one MVP. Um, God, Paul Pierce. No, no, 
No. Never in the top three. No. Okay. Um, did we ever have? Did we ever have KG in the top three? KG won the award in 2004, bro. He did. Dude, what's that? 2004? I'm nine years old. Um, hmm. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to think recently. I'm going to work my way backwards. Let's, let's do that. Um, so we already got Chris Paul. And I think about who else is. Was DeMar DeRozan? Over there? No. Think, think bigger. Think bigger. Paul George. Bingo. All right, we got Paul. Twenty nineteen. Um, I don't think Kawhi ever won an MVP. You are correct. He did not, but he finished third in twenty seventeen. Um, what other contenders are we thinking of here? This, Give you a hint on one. One of them you claimed was uh, one of your favorite players of all time in his prime. That's that's a lot of um what what team? I'll I'll take the L on it. What team? The Clippers. What? He's not Blake playing for Griffin. them now, but his prime time. Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. Really? He, he was third, in the top three. Third in twenty fourteen. I think Blake is so slept on in terms of how good he was then. Um I I didn't even I didn't even think about him then. I want to say that if we're staying recent, that Luca has been in a top three. There's not one. He's not been in top three. Jason nope. Tatum. Nope. He's not been in the top three. You know who the top three are the last three years? We got Giannis and yeah. B. Jokic. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Um this is this is tough. Think about LeBron James. So has D Wade never won a an MVP? No, but he was wow. fired in 2009. Wow. And continuing on the LeBron James trend, another 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 couple of guys that you linked with him. I I can't possibly believe that Chris Bosch was in a top three. No. That never happened. Uh I Mello. Was Mello ever okay? 2013, um, Carmelo. New York Knicks, Carmelo. That that was crazy good. Um who else are more recent recent times, Embiid or not Embiid? What am I saying? LeBron. I I I can't imagine that Kyrie would be in a top three. No. So, but I would imagine that Anthony Davis would be in a top. And you would three. be correct in 2018, not in 2020, which is sad, but 2018. All right, three guys then. You got um, the early early dollars here. These are all retired players. So. Let's see. One of them is currently coaching in the NBA. Jason Kidd. Bingo. 2002. Okay. Uh, let's see. The other one, we got, I think, Indiana Pacers. Did Indiana Pacers. Early 2000s. <laughs> you, know, you, know what brain, you know what name came out of my brain? Is it Danny Granger. No, that's not the answer. No. <laughs> uh, oh wait, are you? Oh my God, is it? Um, come. I'll come back to you on that one. I'll come back to you on that one. Okay, the other one, uh, I think Miami Heat in the the mid to late nineties. 
mid to late nineties, bro. We were ten. Yeah, that's what he was. That was his prime, really. Uh, early two thousand two. Like this guy was. This guy Lonzo was in the morning? top three. Yes, Lonzo Morning. You said since two thousand. You're you're really. You're really no, no, no. Like he he did it in ninety nine two thousand. That was when he finished in top three. But I'm thinking like his best years are kind of like like the ninety five towards like that that sort of year. All right, last um, one. The Pacers is, is the team that you got to think about. Is it a big? Yes. Big to, uh, I definitely describe him. I think you describe him as a, as a tough guy. Ronald, no. What am I saying? No. What after after him, who would you think um, next? I said Paul George. You did. Uh, this is earlier, earlier, earlier in the two thousands. Um. There, there's a, there's a big that I'm thinking of. Is is it a is he a power forward? Yes, I'm trying to think about that now. I'm pretty sure yes. Uh, dude, top three in MVP voting. Yep. Like, it's all right. It's not. It's not Jermaine O'Neal. It is Jermaine O'Neal. There's zero chance. There you go. 2004, he finished third. After that There's rounds no it out. Is Jermaine O'Neal? What did he average? I didn't actually look it up. I just, I just saw that he was in the top three in voting. But uh, yeah, no, well, yeah. What, what, what is what? What year is this? Two thousand and four. He did that. So let's look it up now. He was an all star. He was all NBA second team that year. Uh, let's have a look here. Two thousand and four. He averaged twenty points and ten boards and two point six blocks. So pretty good going. Wow. Wow. See, he's he's a guy that like. He fell off so quick, but he stayed around. So, like, people in my generation, like, forget very quickly, very quickly. Because that that's, I mean, that's an insane season. Wow. Okay. You're a generation, man. We're in the same generation. You're talking like I'm, I'm, like, 20 years older than you. Bro, you're out here talking about Alonzo Morning in the 90s, and I, I guess you're just special. Cause, uh, I like it. I like, a... I like I like my history lessons, you know? You know? Yeah. But, I, uh, I do need to brush up my history, so that was, that was a good reminder to do. You, so. need, okay. you needed hints, but... You got all the, you got them all. So I mean, you you did well there. You nailed it. Yeah, I wouldn't say pass with flying colors, but I'll give myself. You a pass. you pass, you pass for sure. You you, you nailed right. it. You got them all. That's all that you, as much as you needed the hints. You you got there, which is much, uh, which is obviously very good. But uh, that's gonna finish it out for today's pod. <laughs> My thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you, Chris, for joining me. Remember, you like what you're hearing. We're everywhere on social media at Coast to Coast NBA, and most importantly, remember take every shot and love every moment. <laughs>